Okay, guys, um, thanks for leading us into communion. Kenny, thanks for those thoughts, Joel, about, yeah, how do we respond uh, to, because this really is kind of, at least in my lifetime, I don't know about all of you, but it's kind of unprecedented what, what's going on. So uh, how do we react? So thank you for those thoughts. Um, guys, I'm going to uh, be bringing you uh, a lesson this morning. Uh, we're going we're gonna to try to keep moving through... Uh, the, the Gospels, talking about the life of Christ, being strong in Christ. Uh, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 3 is our text for today. And I, I got to say, it's, it's a lot different being here, talking to the camera, uh, seeing myself on the camera. Uh, you know, I don't know, I feel maybe like uh, I'm a little famous or something. You know, we're, we're doing a podcast, you know, welcome to the, to the Bama podcast. You know, I know a lot of you guys know that like that. Um, I don't have my usual cues. Uh, you know, usually when I'm talking and I lose my train of thought, you know, I zone out for a second. Usually what helps me kind of come back to reality is as I'm kind of zoned out scanning the congregation, the reflection from Chris Moose's bald head just, <laughs> oh, you know, gets me, gets me, oh, okay, oh, that's right, wow. so that's where I was. Um, you know, I don't have <laughs> Jesse in the front row weeping. So that, what, so that I can feel like what I'm saying is just so profound. You know, that makes me feel good. I don't have grace in here to just feel better about myself. Oh, <laughs> mercy. Yeah, I'm just kidding. I love, Grayson, uh, uh, I, I rip on him probably every sermon. So I probably should give that. I should repent. And that's what we're going to be talking about uh, today. Because that is the main theme of Matthew chapter 3 is, is repentance. Okay. Um, so I'd like to, I'd really like to just say a short prayer and then we'll, we'll get into the text. Okay. Let's go ahead and pray. Um, Heavenly Father, God, I just, uh, ask, uh, for your help, uh, through the means of your spirit, God, as we, we gather, uh, God, in John chapter four, you talk about, uh, worshiping in spirit and in truth, uh, and it's not about the place in which we worship God. And right now, uh, we seek uh, to worship you in spirit and in Amen. truth, and that, and then God, you're with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I totally believe that uh, we're, we're, when two or more are gathered in your name, mm-hmm. there you are there with them, Amen. applies to this situation. Um, so God, just you are with us. Uh, please may the Spirit lead this lesson, uh, lead, lead our time together. May we be richly fed uh, by your word. Mm-hmm. Uh, pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so... Um, as you guys know, uh, recently my my wife and I we had uh, our first child. We had our daughter uh, Harlow. She is well. Joel was talking about diamonds and stars in the universe, and and she is definitely one of them. Amen. Um, and I and I have to tell you guys that I am so like it, it's just it's it's bringing me a lot of perspective. It's uh, one of the things that I felt. I remember when we left the hospital. How I just felt like my I was walking taller, like, <laughs> and my chest was just out, and I just felt I just felt proud, honestly. Amen. And uh, yeah, pr- I think proud in in a good way. Um, Amen. And so, I, I just you know I wonder that's just kind of opened my eyes up to God being our Father and Amen. the way that mm-hmm. the way that He sees things, the way that He sees us. Um. So let's go ahead and uh, open up. Go ahead and open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter three. Um, we're going to see the theme of repentance 
a lot. Okay, so that's that's what this chapter is all about. And I guess right before we read, I wanna I wanna mention uh, that we gotta we gotta establish the definition of repentance. Many of you know it, but I, I wanna establish it. Okay, because sometimes when when repentance is talked about, people can be talking about different things and not be on the same page. And so, right. repentance, the word uh, repentance, right, that we translate in English, comes from the Greek term metanoia, which means literally means a, a change of mind. Okay, but I, I think that's literally what it means. But what what is its meaning beyond just the the surface layer? Okay, and, and what it's really getting at is this 180-degree change. It's this change from, from away from God to God. Or, you know, if we're not talking in the spiritual sense, it's, it's totally it's abandoning something and going towards something else. It's, mm. it's not a slight adjustment. It's not, Amen. it's not a little tinkering here and there. It is a, a huge, it's a monumental shift. That's what repentance is. I have this quote um, about C.S. Lewis, or not about C.S. from C.S. Lewis, about repentance that I want to read to you guys. Um, and this is to address the, the fact that, you know, you, what we're going to read in, in this chapter is that repentance is absolutely necessary for, for salvation, for a, a good relationship with God, for a reality, a future reality of heaven. And that trips people up sometimes. And I think this quote is incredible for kind of clearing uh, the muddy waters. C.S. Lewis said, Repentance is not something God demands of you before he will take you back, in which he could let you off if he chose. It is simply a description of what going back is like. Mm. So the road, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The way to God, right, is Jesus, and it's paved the way of Jesus is paved with repentance. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not a condition. It's simply the road. There is a path, right? There mm. is a path to God. Mm. And that path is paved with repentance. Mm. So, yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's a new mindset. So just a couple examples of, of a changed mindset. One thing that uh, I used to enjoy... And now, honestly, there, there's not much that gives me more of a disgust response Uh-oh. is immod- immodesty, when women dress immodestly. Um, I used to, you know, we're just being real and enjoy that. I'd feast my eyes on, on those types of things. And now, when I see that, n- not much makes me look the other way faster and just feel, honestly, a sense of kind of like pain. And lot like man, don't you realize that you don't like you don't need to do that? Like, do you know how valuable you are in the eyes of God? Do you know what He sacrificed for you? I just see pain and insecurity and hurt and wounds that have not been healed by the grace of God. And and so that's what I see now when I see immodesty instead of uh, a time an opportunity for for self indulgence. Um, I, another great example of what repentance is like a complete change from going from loving something to hating it. Uh, Jack Renicki, he recently was baptized uh, in the teen ministry. Go Jack. Amen. Um, Come on, Jack. You know, he was telling me, when we were studying the Bible, he was telling me about his repentance. He was sharing with me, and he was talking about how sometimes when, you know, well, kids, they make fun of each other so much at high school. And 
he was telling about how one day some some people were making fun of this kid, and he actually, uh, you know, went and talked to this person afterwards and just listened to them, and they were like vulnerable with him, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, so. He, Jack didn't just stand by and do nothing. He actually went out and he did something. And that's repentance. Man. He, 90 degree turn would have been, you know, I'll, I won't join in. I'll just say nothing. But the 180 degree turn was, all right, I'm going to go minister to, mm. to this mm, person. Great example. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. So when we repent, our minds are changed. They are, and, and the Bible says that uh, with repentance comes refreshment. Uh, the scales fall from our eyes. We can finally see. And the great thing about repentance is that we can always keep doing it. Our minds always need to be renewed, right? Renewed day by day. We, we always need that renewal. Um, and that's the amazing thing with repentance is, is that we all need it uh, no matter where we're at. So what I want to talk to you guys about today in Matthew chapter 3 is Jesus says something extremely uh, emphatic. Uh, important. He says he, he gets baptized to fulfill all righteousness is the words that are used. And so I want to talk about today how we need to strive to live to fulfill all righteousness. Okay, so let's go ahead and read verse 1 of Matthew chapter 3. Verse 1 and 2, it says, In those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Now, we're, gonna, we're just going to take a look at a couple verses at a time, and we'll talk about it. Okay, so John the Baptist uh, was preaching in the wilderness. Okay, the wilderness is uh, where, where were the people of God when they were freed from Egypt and they were waiting to enter the promised land. They were in the wilderness. What I've noticed about my studies in Matthew is that he closely follows Exodus. So I've actually been studying the book of Exodus on the side because it's so much insight into mm-hmm. Matthew. So what, what's happening is with John the Baptist, right? He, he came to prepare the way. He's preparing the way for the new Exodus, the new deliverance mm-hmm. of God's people. Uh, he also says, look, guys, it says that if you were to sum up uh, John the Baptist's preaching in one sentence, Right, because obviously this isn't like his whole sermon wasn't repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is a summary, and the summary of his preaching is repent for the mm. kingdom of heaven is at hand. He preached repentance. You know what's funny is that these are the exact same words. If you go uh, a couple chapters later, when Jesus starts his ministry, Jesus's preaching is summarized as repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Amen. Mm-hmm. So John the Baptist preached repentance. Jesus preached repentance. But it's sometimes it's missing from our pulpits today. Yep. Sometimes it's why why would we change the model of the greatest preachers who ever lived, right? We know Jesus was the greatest preacher. He wrote the greatest sermon in the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus said that John the Baptist was the greatest man born amongst women. Why would we go away from, from their example? Question. Mm-hmm. All right, let's keep reading here. So we'll just read verse 3 here. This is an Old Testament quotation from Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3. It's almost word for word. Uh, it says, For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. So this is a messianic prophecy Mm -hmm. in the book of Isaiah. 
And what's interesting is at the time, uh, what we see the wilderness once again, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. So that's what John the Baptist sees as his role, his call in all of this. And back then, what they didn't really they didn't have roads like we like we do now. Like they had some roads, okay? they had a few few main ones to go from place to place, but they had a lot of roads that were extremely mm. rugged, you, you know, almost basically impassable. But what would happen is when a king would journey, when let's say that you know, he would go to another country, months in advance they wow. would send out tons and tons of laborers to actually build a new road or to completely refurbish the roads so that the king could make his journey. Hmm. And that's what John the Baptist is doing. He's, he's going out ahead of the king, King Jesus, to build the road, to build the pathway for Jesus' ministry. Amen. Hmm. Let's go ahead and keep on reading. Uh, let's read verses 4 through 6. So now we're gonna, it's going to explain John the Baptist a little bit. Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Another allusion to uh, the Old Testament here is what John is, is wearing. It's very specific. He's wearing a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt. If you read 2 Kings 1.8, uh, you'll find that's the exact same description of the prophet Elijah and what he wore. And, and also there's a prophecy in Malachi. Uh, it's actually escaping me. I believe it's chapter 5. Uh, a prophecy about a, a, a new Elijah, essentially a second Elijah coming to prepare the way. For the Lord, so this is this is deeply embedded. Uh, even just the, the his appearance, even his diet, actually, uh, in the Old Testament. Hmm. Um, and then we notice that they were going out to John the Baptist, and they were being baptized, and they were confessing their sins. And once again, uh, you know, obviously the baptism of Jesus, which we'll get into a little bit, is different from the baptism of John. But this is what. They did. They were baptized and they confessed their sins. It's so fundamental. It's so important. It's what we must do also. We Amen. can't go away from this. Now, if you notice, John was, was preaching in the desert, right? Well, why was he in the desert? Wouldn't you pick a little bit better place to do your preaching than the desert? Like, hmm. wouldn't you get more people uh, to come hear you preach in, you know, downtown? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, the thing is, is that prophets... Uh, who lived in hostile societies had to do their preaching in the desert. Hmm. So a prophet who basically would say what the king's itching ears wanted to hear would, would live comfortably in the palace. Okay? But if we, hmm. if we look at the prophets who really made a difference, who changed history, who wrote the Bible, like Elijah, like Amos, uh, like John the Baptist, they were they lived in the wilderness because mm. uh, they were not accepted because they preached repentance. And if you live repentance, if you teach repentance out of out of a heart of compassion, you you will be ostracized. That's right. Mm. There's 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 no way around it. Mm. Um, so, but that's that's a part of the cost of repenting. You know, I heard this quote that the the best. This is not a great quote, I guess. It's not spiritual. But I think it applies here. The, the best part of repenting is the sinning. And 
That's because I think what the the person who said that is trying to communicate is that repenting is difficult. <laughs> repenting doesn't always feel good. Like, you know, so obviously sinning is not better. Mm. Amen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Amen, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> but what they mean is repentance is, is hard. There is a cost. There mm. are things that are uncomfortable about repentance. Let's go ahead and keep reading. Good stuff. Verse 7 through 10. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not presume to say to yourself, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Mm. Okay, so we have mm. some fiery preaching Come from on. John the Baptist. I mean, he just laid these guys out. And, you know, you brood of vipers, he calls them. Mm. And so, you know, a 21st century uh, interpretation of brood of vipers might be like, oh, you snakes. So, like, you snake, you know, it's the Sadducees and the Pharisees, so they're the religious leaders. And they're, uh, as we know, their they're background, they're, they're not doing a good job of, of actually living out God's commands. They just teach them a lot. Hmm. And so, you know, you could think of them as like a, maybe like a snake oil salesman type or, or you know, or Satan is considered, uh, at times, he's pictured like a serpent. Um, so they're like devils. You know, maybe that's when it... But it's interesting what John the Baptist actually meant. Uh, it's so funny because language is constantly changing. What this would have meant back in the first century is that what at the time... Vipers were believed to, when they were born, they would kill their mother. So a bunch of snakes would be born, and then they would immediately devour their mother after she birthed them. And so what he's saying is that you are murderers of your parents. So the prophets who came before you, who preached repentance, you killed them. Mm. You know, these people who stand so tall on their pedestal of moral... Uh, integrity. He's basically, there's nothing, I can't think of too many things more immoral than evil and to murder your own parents. And that's, that's the level of morality that, that he is, is calling them out on. And I want to speak to the young people for a second here, oh. the, the high schoolers, the middle schoolers. Don't destroy the work of the previous generation. Mm. Hmm. Well, because, you know, it doesn't, if it worked like this, right, Jesus is the only atoning sacrifice for our sins. But if your parents could have it their way, they would be willing to sacrifice themselves for you. That's right. And that, that they would be willing to go that far for you. And unfortunately, it doesn't work that way, right? They're, they can't sacrifice themselves for you, even though they would want to. But don't destroy the work, the, all the sacrifice in the work that they put into uh, your faith and your, and your development and, and providing for you. Uh, this, this passage speaks boldly to religious complacency. Mm-hmm. We, we cannot become complacent. Guys, neutrality. So complacency, neutrality. Neutrality is, is actually often evil. 
Um, for example, you're walking down the street, and there's, there's someone laying on the ground. They're, they're bleeding. They're gasping for air. They're calling out for help. And you stay neutral, and you just keep walking. Is that, is that not wrong? Is that not evil? Right? You have multiple options. You could, uh, well, you could do something even more evil than that, which would be to stop, kick them while they're down. Okay? Um, or, or you could pass by, or you could, you know, do CPR, call 911. There's something you can do, and that would be repentance in that situation, to actually do the right thing, not neutrality. We'll talk a little bit more about <clears throat> uh, neutrality as we, as we keep moving. Because we can know and know and know all of these things, uh, but we have to love. We have to act. Repentance is, is about acting. It's about getting, especially in this time, with so many needs, it's about getting a glass of water for someone who needs it, making a meal for someone who needs Man. it. This, this is love. This is knowledge lived out, our knowledge of God lived out. Let's go ahead and keep reading. Verse 11 and 12 says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with an unquenchable fire. So one, I kind of mentioned earlier that Jesus' baptism is different than John's. He says, I baptize you with water, but he who comes after me, meaning Jesus, will baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire. There's, there's the Holy Spirit, there's, there's purification in the fire, uh, there, there's power in it. I'm not going to get into all of, all of the differences right now, but let's just, for now we know that it's, it's different, it's more powerful than John's baptism. Hmm. You know, something that John says here is that uh, he talks about repentance and, you know, well, it's actually in another spot that you can, you can judge a tree by its fruit. That's something Jesus says uh, in the book of Matthew. And something that John is, is really getting at here, like it, he's like, God can raise up children of Abraham from these stones. Like you can't rely on your knowledge. You can't rely on your heritage. It, it's about... Your, your deeds, keep, re, repent in keeping uh, with deeds of repentance, okay? And so I'm just going to show you guys a couple of pictures quickly uh, uh, to keep fruit in keeping, sorry, to have fruit in keeping with repentance, okay? So uh, you arborists out there, you tree experts, <laughs> what kind of tree is this? Mm. Mm. It's a tough one. Yeah, that, my friends... All right, Joel, what do you think? Uh, I think that's an apple tree. That is an apple tree. How did you know that, Joel? Boy, it's a, the deep theological training that I have. <laughs> uh, I see apples. Yeah, the fruit. <laughs> the fruit gives it away. I bet I bet at home, I bet Rowan knew that. I bet oh, Leo Rowan. knew that. I bet Moses mm-hmm. knew that. All right, let, let's do another one. Let's just do one more, you know, just for fun. Ooh, what kind of tree is this? Mm-hmm. Kenny might know. It, Kenny, it looks, do you know? Uh, it looks it looks citrusy. It looks citrusy, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a little orange in there. It's deep. I, you know, I'm I'm gonna go with the orange tree. That is an orange tree. Yeah. Ding, 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 ding. ding. Yeah. So guys, <laughs> what we have to think about what fruit is coming from our lives. Ooh, mm. Come on. Wow. 
I think fruit so often shows itself in life or death in our relationships. Mm. Are, our, are we having life-giving relationships or are our relationships breaking, uh, breaking down, moving backwards? Um, there, there's more ways to tell than that, but I think that is a key area because mm. repentance happens communally. It, it happens individually, but it happens communally. We Man. live life as humans in, in community. Amen. Great point. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. The end of, end of Matthew 3 right here. It says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so, so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Hmm. You know, I want to... Just touch on this, this fulfill all righteousness, right? Jesus, I, I guess you could debate this or whatever. Like maybe Jesus didn't have to become baptized. Well, the reality is that he did and he wanted to. And I lost my spot here. He wanted to be baptized. And he, it's, it's like the question that's brought up in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 when, when Paul is speaking about what is permissible and what is beneficial? And we have to ask ourselves the right question, not the wrong question. So the wrong question would be when it comes to repentance is, what is wrong with what I'm doing? What is wrong with this? Mm. What is wrong with what I'm thinking? That's the wrong question. The right question is, what is right about what I'm doing? What is mm. right about what I'm thinking? You know, I think I think that passage uh, in Second Corinthians or First Corinthians ten gets used sometimes as, well, I mean everything's permissible, uh, mm. but not all is beneficial. <clears throat> if you look at the context of that pa- passage, uh, it's it's talking about not the verse right after that is we don't live we live to put others' needs before ourselves, and right before it is talking about how jealous God is, uh, mm. jealous for our hearts. Uh, we, we need to, we're followers of Jesus, so we follow in his steps. We must also strive to fulfill all righteousness. Ask the right question. And so yes. I want to just take a second to, because I believe that, guys, the Spirit is, is with us right now as, as we read the Word and we talk about it and we gather. May the Spirit bring to your mind right now what it is that, you need to repent of what you need to repent in and so often god's voice is heard in the silence that's when we're full like elijah when he was out mount, mount horeb and, and there was the earthquake and the whirlwind and god wasn't in it god wasn't in it, but then god was in the silence and he heard god's voice You know, I really think that God is really up to something in all of the... Honestly, our, our nation is going to be a lot more silent, a lot more quiet in the coming, coming weeks, months, who knows. 
we're not allowed we're not going to be allowed to gather in large in large groups in large places i mean i mean i can't we're not going to be able to listen to our, our the same i don't know what they're going to talk about on sports radio in five <laughs> weeks from now like are, we're not going to be able to listen to this stuff <laughs> uh it's going to be quiet and you know grayson and i we were we were really praying and talking about campus connect and which has unfortunately been canceled uh, but how we were praying for spiritual revival. And I, I just think, man, we were praying for that. We were talking about it. And then I think God is just like, had these bigger plans. Mm-hmm. He's like, hmm, no, you want spiritual revival for UW-Eau Claire. How about spiritual revival for the entire nation? Man. How about that? Mm-hmm. And so I think God is, is really, a, people are going to be confronted with their thoughts about God, with their thoughts about themselves. Mm. Um, once again, the Spirit comes down on Jesus like a dove, right? In a, 20, a 21st century interpretation, a dove is a symbol for peace, beauty, tranquility, those types of things. And, and that totally could be a part of what the dove means. Why did the Spirit descend on Jesus like a dove? But the more likely scenario is that this is Matthew writing to a group of Jews in the first century that he would be referring to the most famous dove in the Old Testament. And let's look at that. This is Genesis chapter 8, verse 11. It says, And the dove came back to him in the evening, and behold, in her mouth was a freshly plucked olive leaf. So Noah knew that the waters had subsided from the earth. Then he waited another seven days and sent forth the dove, and she did not return to him any more. And so what the dove, what this dove in Genesis symbolizes is the repopulation, the recreation of the entire world, right? The, the world was flooded, and everything had died outside of what was on Noah, his family, and the ark, and a dove comes. And basically, it's, it's like... It's like Genesis 1 and 2, the recreation. Hmm. Everything it takes place, it moves forward from this point. And this point in Jesus' ministry is where, man, things are going to get made new. They're going to be recreated. Jesus is bringing a whole different... Just, his ministry is going to be completely different than anything that, that the world has ever seen before. Um, to, to close us out with one final thought, in, uh, let me go back here. God says, This is my beloved son with who I am well pleased. Come on. This is amazing. This is what every son needs to hear Amen. from mm. their father. Mm. You know, this is actually the breaking of silence. This, we're, we're in Matthew right now, we're actually in the period of what's known as the silent years. In, in Judaism, there was 400 years of silence where the mm. prophetic spirit did not speak. Mm. And actually, in the Greek, the word that's used here for when God speaks is the exact same word that's used to refer to the prophetic spirit. Mm. So the silence of God for, for hundreds of years has now been broken, and it's with these words to Jesus, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Mm. So, you know, I've always looked at this and been like, well, you know, this is Jesus. Right. Of course God loves Jesus. I mean, he's perfect. What's not to love? Hmm. And so I want to look at uh, this scripture here in Hebrews 2. 
says, both the one who makes people holy, Jesus, and those who are made holy are of the same family. Amen. So that's us and Jesus, the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. He says, I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters. In the assembly, I will sing your praises. Awesome. Jesus is not ashamed to call us brothers and sisters. And this is, Amen. this is enjoying, this is how we enjoy the fruits of repentance, is that we get to be brother or sister with Jesus. And another question I want to ask you guys is, does God, does God have a favorite son? Does he have a favorite child? Does God play favorites? Is that consistent with God's character? No. With what you know about him? No way. Romans 2.11 says, For God does not show favoritism. So you have Jesus, which so often we can look at as the, mm. the, prodig- the, the, the prodigy child, the favorite child, the child that we could never be like. Mm. You know, and in some ways that's true. We, we, we're not perfect. Mm-hmm. We can't be like him. But is that really how the Father sees it? Mm-hmm. You know, God... He's incredibly proud of Jesus, and he's incredibly proud of the everyone who repents Amen. and turns to him. Mm. So guys, as we wrap up, continual repentance, something is always, repentance is something we can always do. It's not a slight adjustment. Mm. For example, I uh, got mad at, I, I gave Ian's son some attitude the other day when she asked me to get her Shame. phone, get her phone for her. Oh, she just and had a baby. She just had a surgery and a baby. She's holding the baby. <laughs> and, you know, I kind of gave her some attitude. And, you know, the, the fix for that would be, well, just don't do that. You know, what the problem is, is isn't that what I, what I said and did. It's the problem that I, my worldview is too self-centered. Because I, like Joel was saying, all these things that just happened to her and she's went through. And yet I was just focused on myself. That isn't an adjustment. That is a mindset issue. Mm-hmm. I was focused. I was, I was living in that moment. I was living in a world that somehow revolved around me. And that's just not reality. So repentance is getting out of that world and living in God's reality. Mm-hmm. So we need to continually repent. We need to ask the right question. What's mm-hmm. right yeah. about what I'm doing? Mm-hmm. And we need to enjoy the fruits of, the, of repentance. One of my favorite scriptures in all of the Bible that just fires me up so much is, is Psalm 37, 6. It says, He will make your innocence radiate like the, like the dawn, and the justice of your cause will shine like the noonday sun. You know, Satan, the accuser, he's always accusing. Even when I repent or when I try and repent and I fail, there's just there's still continual accusations that is mm-hmm. that is discouraging and makes the process more difficult. Mm-hmm. But man, I think about the, the the concept of innocence and how badly I want to be innocent, how badly I want God to look at me and see no wrong, and for my innocence to radiate like the dawn, to shine like the sun mm-hmm. when it's at the top of the sky. Are these are the fruits? Of repentance, our innocence. We can be unashamed. We we have no regrets. We we don't have to fear the same things that everyone else does, uh, because we're innocent uh, in the eyes of God. We're a brother. We're a sister of Jesus, our, the author, perfecter of our faith. So enjoy as you repent, even though the process is difficult. Enjoy the fruits 
of repentance. And that is Matthew chapter 3.